As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning. I want to welcome all you in the room and those of us joining online. Let me begin on this holiday weekend with some Thanksgiving stats. One person is happy about that. Can we have a little fun, lighten it up a little bit? A little Thanksgiving stats right now because, oh boy. 40 million whole turkeys are eaten in the U.S. over Thanksgiving. 40 million. I think I ate two of them. 96 million is spent on stuffing alone over Thanksgiving. I I thought this was interesting. 40% of Campbell's cream of mushroom soup sales occur during Thanksgiving. When else would you use that? 80 million pounds of cranberries are purchased for Thanksgiving. Ocean Spray sells 80% of jellied cranberry sauce the week of Thanksgiving and produces 70 million cans each year. Who is eating that jellied sauce? Come on, oh, you people. Oh, I just leave that off to the side. Jody puts it on the sandwich the next day. What is wrong with you people? Okay, I thought this was interesting. 13, 35% of Americans prefer pumpkin pie as their favorite snack after. That gets a round of applause from some of you. While 16% prefer, can you guess, can you guess? Pecan. I actually had some pecan pie this year. 11%, good job, Brene, um, per, per, like prefer apple. You're in the minority. 10% like sweet potato pie. I don't, I'm comf- I don't know, man. I, I just like the sweet potatoes on the table. 6% like chocolate pie. And then this is the problem. Only 4% prefer cherry pie. That's actually my favorite. In seventh grade, I ate a piece of cherry pie at lunch every single day. Yes, I bought my lunch. That was way before McDonald's was given those things to you. Cheap substitute. In 1953, an employee at Swanson, you know who that is, they made a colossal error, and they overordered 260 tons of frozen turkeys for Thanksgiving. They were left with 10 refrigerated railroad cars. So this is what the guy did. He used it to solve a problem. He's like, hey, I like eating on planes, and they give you it in a tray. He ordered 5,000 aluminum trays, That is how TV dinners were born. Just the things you learn at church. And lastly, I couldn't find this stat, so I just want to ask you, how many of you, I looked diligently for this stat, how many of you go around the table for Thanksgiving dinner and and everybody shares one thing they're thankful for? Just raise your hand if that's you. Okay, so we got some of you guys. Not everybody, trying to give you a new tradition, but we do it in our house. And uh, it's funny because the son-in-laws, they don't enjoy it. Are we doing this again? Like uh, my son-in-law asked me uh, on Thursday, he's like, are we going to be doing that? And so I'm like, dude, just prepare, just prepare. (laughs) Go first because then it's like, you know, there's nothing left at the end. It's like, what am I thankful for? Well, she said that and Jody said all of them. And (laughs) said all that to simply say this, what are kingdom builders 
most thankful for. That's where we're headed today. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. If you're um, meeting with us for the first time, or maybe you're joining us afresh, we want to welcome you in. And we've got a series that's called Kingdom Builders. I'm going to say Luke chapter 17. Turn over to Luke 17. We've been talking about the four T's, time, talent, treasure, and next week we'll talk about testimony. We've been looking at Jesus's words, specifically parables from him. Today we've got a story and it's about thanksgiving. So I've entitled the message, The Fifth T, because this is the one, it's a trigger. Thanksgiving is a trigger that unlocks the key for all kinds of God's blessing in your life. Gratitude is the attitude that we need to have. But not just gratitude for all things, what do we as kingdom builders have gratitude for? That's where we're heading. I'm gonna give you four reasons why we as kingdom builders give thanks. Let's take a look at the story. Look with me at Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It's a short one. Jesus tells it to the disciples. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers. They stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw him, he said to him, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Very important sentence come back to it. Then one of them, only one, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. He was the Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, hey, wasn't there 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, thanks for the opportunity to worship you this morning in this space. I just sensed your presence in a unique way, and I'll take that anytime. We can feel your Holy Spirit amongst us as we give you praise, as we reflected upon your death and your resurrection, and we took communion together. What a beautiful picture of the church for who you are, what you've done. Would you unite us as kingdom builders as we look at this unique story to help us to learn from it, to help us grow from it. Lord, I want to better um, give thanks to you. I, I want an attitude that, that, is, that is of gratitude. Use this passage to help me and use it to help others that are here today. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. amen. First reason why we have to give thanks, sometimes we need to remind ourselves because if you're like me, we don't do it enough or even at all. And so we get our minds focused on the negative. Here's the positive. Why would we as kingdom builders, investing our time and our talent and our treasure and our thanksgiving give thanks to him? Well, first it's this. We give thanks because Jesus meets us where we are. He meets us right in the place that we are. He doesn't meet us in the place that we're supposed to be. He doesn't meet us in the place that we pretend to be. He doesn't even meet us in the place we ought to be. He, he meets us right where we are, in the space that we are, in the place that we are. That's what we see happening here. We see these 10 lepers. Jesus, the first set of scriptures, verse 11, it says that he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He went into this village. It was an unknown village. Nobody knew exactly what it was because these guys were quarantined and, and these lepers, there's 10 of them, leprosy, it was a uncurable disease at that time. It was spreading rapidly and 
it was contagious far beyond belief. And, and it would start with some specks on your face. You look in the mirror and you see some specks and you start getting nervous. And then it would spread. And it would kill your skin tissue and your nerve endings. And it would deform your hands and your feet. I mean, this was deadly. It would turn you gray way before the time. Your hair. I mean, it, it, it was out of control. And, and so, so what happened is Jesus met these people in the midst of their circumstance, in the midst of their disease. And then look at the phrase. The 10 lepers, they stood at a distance. Some of us thought that social distancing was just from 2020. Here we see the first biblical account of social distancing. It's in the Bible if you have leprosy because it was the law. And so the law said that if a leper came around you, can you imagine this today? that you would have to yell out, unclean, 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 and, and let people get away. And so now you know what the truth is, that that's what was happening, and that's where Jesus met them, in the midst of the worst nightmare, in the midst of their uncleanliness, in the midst of their disease, in the midst of their trial. As I was thinking about this, I had to go back a ways, and maybe you're old enough to remember if you were born prior to 1975. You remember that Princess Diana, there was the AIDS epidemic, and it was unknown. Like, people didn't know. Like, now we know so much. Like, people didn't know what, how you got it. Well, they knew one way, but they're like, you can get it through sweat. You can get it through open wounds. It, it led Magic Johnson. I'll never forget the day when I heard it. He quit professional basketball. He retired because he was diagnosed with AIDS and other players that they weren't going to play with him. And, and then this unbelievable picture, it just hit everything. It was all over the place. And it was a Princess Diana. Do you, anybody remember this? And, and what, what she did was she was sitting with a guy who had been diagnosed with AIDS and she literally reached out and grabbed and it just changed everything. It changed everyone's perspective. You're like, what? And then she's quoted as saying, HIV doesn't make people dangerous to know. You can shake their hands. You can give them a hug. Heaven knows they need it. That's Jesus. Did you hear me? That's a picture of Jesus. No matter what you have, no matter what you got, no matter what's happening, no matter how bad you've fallen, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're pretending to be, he breaks through all of it. And he meets us where we are. I mean, close your Bibles, message done. Is anyone ready to praise God? He meets us in our circumstance. He meets us in the middle of our distress. He meets us in the middle of our pain. If that ain't enough, second reason why we as kingdom builders, and so get the understanding. I'm trying to get us, I'm getting our church in line. Let's be pilling kingdom builders together. Let's have a vision that's not just for this world, but for eternity. Let's move forward with our families and the people around us, and we want to build God's kingdom through our time and our treasure and, and our thankfulness. And so why am I reminded to give thanks? Well, second thing, because Jesus sees our need. He sees it like no one else. Now, again, let's go back to the text. In Bible church, we're going to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? The, the guys lift up their voices together, these 10 leopards, and they know and they recognize something about this Jesus. Do you know, do you recognize something different about this Jesus? 
man, you know a lot more than they did about who he is right now. Has that caused you to turn? Because they're looking at themselves and looking at their disease and looking at everybody running from him and talk about loneliness. And Man, they didn't have any fancy masks. Are you hearing designer masks? They, they were running from everyone. And, and look what they said. They said, Jesus, first of all, they knew his name. Do you know the name of Jesus? The Messiah, the one that was sent for the forgiveness of our sin. And then they said, Master. And the unique thing about this, this is why I want to draw your attention. If you have your Bible, circle it and write down only time. This is the only time other than the disciples we see someone else calling Jesus Master. And so normally it's the disciples who say master. Everyone else, can you guess, what do they say? Teacher. Most of the time it's teacher or rabbi. And so they're just, you know, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a good man. He knows a lot. He's got some interesting sayings and proverbs. And, and so they would say teacher, which is a sign of respect. Don't get me wrong. But master, that, that's a sign of sovereignty. That's a sign of th this guy can help us far beyond any teacher. He, he can do something no one else can do. We've heard it. Some of them may have seen it. And they wondered in their spirit, is he going to do it to us? And then they say, have mercy. That's just another word for help. And then here's the three words. Put them in yellow. He saw them. You saw them? Pretty simple. Jesus saw them. Not the smartest or the sharpest knife in the drawer, but if it says he saw them in the midst of their need, I think he sees us in the midst of ours. Whatever the need is, whatever the circumstances. But keep your finger in Luke chapter 17 and turn over to, how about, um, let's go to John. And, and so, um, let me see, do I go left or right? I think I go right. Anybody with me? Oops, went left first, me too. John chapter 17, or 16, and I want to point out an interesting story to you. John chapter 16. And this is about Mary and Martha. And so this story, it's actually not in 16, it's in John chapter, where's the story about Mary and Martha and Jesus? 11, that's it, thank you, Craig. Looked, looked at my phone. I was just testing you. <laughs> John chapter 11, it says the death of Lazarus. And so I want you to see this for yourself. That's why I had you turn there. But, but what's interesting is that Martha and Mary, her sister, are upset because their brother's dying. So what they do to set it up, we're going to look at verse 17 in a minute. They, 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 what they do is that they call to Jesus and look first at verse five. They call to get Jesus, but Jesus, it says, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, everybody in verse six now? Sorry, I must, the turkey and all the food is causing me not to remember where I am. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what did Jesus do if you see your text? What does it say? It doesn't say he went immediately? It doesn't say he heard about the person that he loved and he left immediately and he went. No, it says he stayed two days longer in the place where they were. And then so if we skip down, what winds up happening is Martha is, she's livid, man. 
She's like, what are you talking about? What, what are you, why did you do that, Jesus? And because Lazarus died. And if you look at verse 13, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And he tells his disciple, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may be believe, but let us go to him. So he goes to Mary and Martha, and Martha is extremely upset, and she says to him in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, but what had been the problem was is she said, if you read in the text, she's like, if you'd have been here, though, you would have saved him from all of that. And so she's upset. She's upset with Jesus, and she doesn't understand verse 25, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he will die, yet he will live. And everyone lives who believes in me and shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus uses the trial, here's the point, to teach some truth. Jesus wants to teach you some truth about who he is and what he came to do through the difficulty. As he sees your need, he's not ignoring it, but he wants to teach you some truth through it. And so he says to, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ and the Son of God who's coming. And, and, and so what happens next is what we see happening with the death of, in verse 38, is Jesus is deeply moved. I have to turn the page. And what he winds up doing is he heals Lazarus. And so what he does is he heals him and he comes out of the tomb and he's got new life. Read all that to simply say this. It ain't over till Jesus says it's over. Can anybody agree? It ain't over till Jesus says it's over. Hey, he waited two extra days, and why didn't he come immediately? And I feel like, does he even care? Some of us feel like he's been waiting a week or a month or a year. And we're his disciples, and we believe in him, and he can do all things, and but in the waiting, he wants to teach us. And what he often has to teach us is that it ain't over till he says it's over because he's got a heavenly perspective. Jody and I had the privilege of um, leading. Um, we're doing this thing this fall. We didn't plan on doing it when the year started. You know, our church plans all the calendar and what we're going to do. And so we did a marriage conference back in October. And, and so after the marriage conference, it was a great uh, event. We, we sensed, well, what's the follow-up? And so we didn't really have a follow-up plan. So we decided, well, like, well, hey, we'll do a marriage group for the next six weeks. And so we've been doing that, and we've been loving it. It's been awesome. So we've had 50 or 60 people that are coming to this event uh, on Thursday nights right here in Naperville. And Jody and I actually jumped in to lead a small group. We do a little discussion group. So we'll teach, Jody and I will teach for 20, 25 minutes, and then we'll do a discussion group. And, and I don't want to say too much, but let me just say the group that I lead, there was three couples and one single lady. And when we went around the table, I found out the first night that two of the people in the group, two of the spouses got saved right here at High Point. Isn't that awesome? It's just like, man, that's great. And, and our group was a little bit more about restoration. And truth be told, it was like most of our group was ready to throw in the towel and and, and they verbalized, hey, this is an opportunity. If we wouldn't have done this, we're not sure where we would be. And then one lady, she was uh, thinking about engagement, and she made the decision in the second or third week. She's like, you know what? He's not for me. 
he, he doesn't line up to what I believe and what Jesus says. And, and she's still coming to the group, but she decided, hey, I'm not going to go forward and get engaged. And said all that to say this, with these couples, with you, with me, it ain't over till Jesus says it's over. Your marriage ain't over till Jesus says it's over. Your, your family, don't start believing some kind of lie about you think that it's over and you think this is done and it ain't over till Jesus says it's over. Why? Because he meets us where we are and because he sees us in our need. Those are the first two reasons that we want to give him thanks. Two more, good stuff. Next reason is this, we'll put it up on the board. Jesus shows us where to go. I mean, he tells us exactly where we need to go. And so I love this verse at the end of verse 14. So he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And then it says, as they went, they were cleansed. So again, he said, go show yourselves to the priest because they were the ones that were to determine whether they'd be clean or unclean. They were like the inspectors. But then notice the phrase, as they went, they were cleansed. It doesn't say they were cleansed and went. How many people understand the significance of that statement? What it means is that their obedience is what provided the healing. Their step in the right direction when they didn't know exactly what was going and they took a step of obedience and their step of obedience is what caused them to receive the blessing. Their step of obedience is what caused them to be healed. As they went, they were cleansed. Cleansed, is, we get the English word from this Greek word, catharsis. It means healing. That's where the power is. That when I take the step of faith, when I take the step of obedience, I receive blessing. Don't minimize what God is asking you to do. This is a good teaching that says sometimes most of the time, I don't feel like taking this step for, forward, but feelings don't satisfy your faith at times. You feel a certain way. I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like doing what Jesus says. You're not going to experience the blessing you're not going to receive the healing. Now, was it that these guys, when did they actually get cleansed? Was it after five steps, 10 steps, 12 steps? I have no idea. Some of us are in the midst. You got one more step. Are you hearing me? You got just one more step to do what God wants you to do, that you would obey him. Coming quickly, say ready. It's coming quick because I don't have a lot of time. Let's look at the seven steps of obedience that we need to take. Put yourself in this place. Which one do you need to take? Kingdom builders. This is what God's calling us to do. Steps of surrender. I just want you to see that they're anchored with a verse. I'm not going to go with all the verses and read them to you, but you can see. I've got to surrender. That's a step of obedience. Deny yourself and take up the cross. And the next word is daily and then follow me. And so next, another step, steps of service. And the king will answer, truly say, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did to me. God's calling some of us to take a step of service that we would be a blessing to the people around us. How about this one? 
steps of generosity. We talked about this yesterday, is that I don't feel like giving back to kingdom work. I don't feel like giving a biblical percentage to kingdom work. Well, when you start stepping out and obedience is when you begin to see that God will will do the work inside of your own heart and provide the blessing that you can't even understand. Next step, steps of courage. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God, that we would step up and share our faith. That's next week's message. Next step, step of forgiveness. I've already mentioned this one. Peter asked Jesus, well, how many times do I need to forgive my brother if he sins against me? As many as seven times. How many people would say that's enough? I mean, that's how I feel. I'm on the sixth. I'll give it one more chance. Jesus is like 70, seven times 70. Come on, man. He's like, the picture is that you just, that's the attitude of the heart, that forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Forgiveness is choosing not to remember, to hold them in that place. Certainly, you might have to distance yourself, but we don't have the feeling to forgive. We just have to take the step of obedience as this is teaching, and then feelings follow. Everybody understand that? That's what it's teaching. So last two, real quick, steps of freedom. Some of us are sitting in here today, and maybe it's you or someone you love, and there's an addiction. There's a problem. There's something that you're trying to find satisfaction in other than the cross other than Jesus. And it's immediate gratification, and it makes you feel good in the moment, but it doesn't last. And you're in that cycle. Isn't it true? And then you you know it's not going to work, but you do it anyway. Steps of freedom. Jesus says the truth will set you free. And then here's the common denominator of all of them. We're just talking about steps of faith. Again, how did we get to this? How we got to this is we said that the disciples were giving a story. Jesus is telling them. And what's the story? It's about these 10 lepers, and it's about this thankfulness. And so as they were were obedient and as they began going to the priest, they, they were cleansed. And so what step is God asking you to take in obedience as a kingdom build. Let's let that sit for a minute. Because I think some of us, we're we're one step away from experiencing God in a unique way. So lastly, why should we give thanks? Well, because Jesus gives us a fresh start. That's why. He gives us a new lease on life. I mean, that's the picture. If you flip back to John chapter 17, that's the whole picture that Jesus did this, that he gave this guy a fresh start. He actually gave all of them a fresh start. But let's look at what he did, the one out of 10. So which one are you? Are you the one out of 10? I would suggest that the kingdom builders are the one out of 10. And so he did four things. I want you to see this in the text. He turned back, he praised God, he, with a loud voice, so none of this, you know, little, little, he he shouted out, he shouted loudly, he fell on his feet, 
at, at the face of Jesus, at Jesus' feet. And, and then fourth, he gave him thanks. I want you to see the him. Again, only time in scripture, this is quite enlightening, where we see someone thanking Jesus and not God. Let that sink in. This Samaritan, the kingdom builder, he turned back, he praised God, he fell on his face as a sign of surrender, and he gave Jesus thanks. He, he recognized the supremacy and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And so we as kingdom builders need to recognize the supremacy and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And then it throws this in. He was the Samaritan. And so why is that there? Rest of them were Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. Remember this? Anybody know their Jewish history with biblical time? They didn't like them at all. They didn't want anything to do with them. It just shows that misery loves company, doesn't it? Because we had 10 lepers and they were hanging out together. And, and so this intensifies the story that it's like the story of the good Samaritan. It's like the Samaritans are showing up the people of God, the Jews that think they got it all together. And that's the picture. And so Jesus says to him, love the Bible, it makes it clear. Well, hey, where's the rest of the guys? What's going on? He asks all these rhetorical questions kind of to emphasize the point. Where's everyone else? I thought there was 10. You think Jesus knew there was 10? I think he knew. And then this one guy's standing there and he says, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. It's a statement that Jesus has used this oftentimes. I've taught this before, let me teach it again. Most often in the New Testament, when you see physical healing, it's a picture of the spiritual healing that we all need. That's true. But here we see nine people that were healed physically but not spiritually. Are you catching the significance? So only one received the physical and the spiritual healing because he recognized who Jesus is and was, and that's why he gave thanks. And so he had an attitude of gratitude because he recognized the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus brings to the table. And gratitude, it turns what we have into enough. Let me say that again. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude, it's like the superpower. Everybody wants to talk about superpowers. What's your superpower? Gratitude for the kingdom builder is your superpower. That's what unlocks the blessing in your life. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. That's what we see. And so here's the reasons that we want to give thanks and give gratitude. I'm going to invite uh, the worship team up. We'll give, uh, give them a hand. Come on, they're going to come up and lead us in a song. And so before they do that, I want, I, want to give, I want to give you a chance to give gratitude. And some of you have heard this story before, but it's, it, it's worth repeating. And so um, my daughter, Emily, when she was in kindergarten, she broke her femur. And so we won't say how she broke her femur, because there's a lot of issues in our family about that. But I was coming home from work, and the three girls are down in the basement. And I hear them playing. And it's one of those things that I'll never forget this one instance. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go downstairs to play with the girls. And then I'm like, well, I'll go change. That's, this is at a time when we used to get dressed up to go to work. Anybody remember that? <laughs> we don't do that anymore. So, so I, I'm like, I'm going to go change because I have my nice dress slacks. What's dress slacks? Yeah, that's what's wrong with our country. Um, <laughs> 
And, and so, 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 so I went upstairs. I'm just kidding around. And so I went upstairs as I wear jeans. I'm, it's a lot cheaper now. And, and so I went upstairs. I'm like, I don't want to get my clothes all messed up. So, and then I'll never forget as I was heading up the stairs, I heard this scream. And it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, man, I, you know what? And I ran downstairs. And Emily's on the floor, and the girls are there. And, and so I pull her up, and I put her right on the couch. And I could tell that her leg was broken. Your femur is the largest bone in your body. And so literally, I mean, gets the visual. I put her on the, on the chair. And the girls always remind me, I had a few things I said first. <laughs> and I put her on the, on the couch, and I just I, I put my hand on her heel, and I just said, press, and she pressed this one. And then I went to the bad leg, and I said, press, and there was nothing. So you know what that means. It's disconnected. And, and so, so we rushed her to the hospital, and you know, they set her leg, and they put you in this cast. I mean, she put, hit a cast from like here, from her, uh, you know, below her neck, all the way down to below her knee. And it's a big bar here, and so I'm carrying her like this, and, and we put her in the wheelchair, and we get her home. And, and that night, she just didn't want to be moved. And so she slept on the couch, or she slept in the wheelchair, and I just slept on the couch. And then, so I don't know, it's like midnight or something, and, and, and she says, Dad, are you awake? And I'm like, yeah, now I am. And, and she, says, um, she says, Dad, I can, I can move my head. And I'm like, well, that's great. Huh? And she's going like this, you know. It's like, what is happening here? And then, and then so I said, go to sleep, Em, go to sleep. And then, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, she says, Dad, are you awake? Well, I am now. And, and, and she says, Dad, I can move my, my arm and my elbow. And, and, and then I'm like, that's great, Em, go to sleep. And, and then a few minutes later, she goes, Dad, guess what? I'm like, what, Em? Can you move your mouth? Is that what, the, what we're saying? <laughs> and, and she says, no, I move my fingers. And Do you get what she was doing? She was counting her blessings. She wasn't worried about the things she couldn't move. She wasn't worried about the things she couldn't do. She was just rejoicing in what she could. And she was praising God for what she could do and not what she couldn't. And isn't that the attitude of a kingdom builder? That attitude is, is something that, that can change the entirety of our perspective. So as you stand to your feet, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head, and John's going to begin to sing over us, and I... I just would say before you begin singing, let's, let's just think of three or four things that, that you're thankful for. And just give him praise with a loud voice and just say, praise you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, and when you're ready, let's join in and, and give praise to Jesus for who he is and what he's done.